Welcome back to Audiology Talk. I'm John Coverstone along with my co-host Dean Flieger and Jenna Tunnell. And we have no idea what episode this is. We usually try to announce yep. it, but I forgot to look. Uh, 140 each. It's in the hundred. Give or take. Yeah. Look at your phone, and that'll tell you what it is. Apple. We're so professional. I'm so, so proud. Apple. iPhone 4. What is that? Hey, it's a, it's a podcast. We ain't getting paid. So... Uh, but we do have some very professional news to bring you today and uh uh, yeah some good good some interesting stories popping up here so let's get right to it but uh thanks for listening uh we're going to start out with a talk uh we're talking about uh something with uh this is this is a hot topic in audiology right now right we're all familiar with cmv and uh, uh, there is a group uh, who published an article in Surgery Pediatrics. Is that the is that the thing? Anyway, uh, this is out of Belgium, and they have identified. Now, this, I'm sorry, this I'm scrolling down here. This was in uh, JAMA Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery. So this is just like their their Surgery Pediatrics section or something. Um, anyway, this came out of Belgium. Uh, from Ghent University, and they looked at uh, uh, data from a whole bunch of newborns with uh, CMV infections and tried to identify what the risk factors are for congenital hearing loss related mm-hmm. to CMV, or what they call CCMV. So that's that's yep. congenital CMV, right? Yeah. And... They looked, uh, let's see, at 1,033 newborns and found that 416 and 617, those are the numbers, were diagnosed with uh, symptomatic or 617 asymptomatic infections. infections. And 15, over 15%. Of those babies presented with congenital hearing loss, uh, they say 50.3% had isolated hearing loss. I'm not sure what that I means. Think it's is the is ace, that versus like social hearing asymptomatic loss? Asymptomatic CCMV infections. So there's no other symptoms mm-hmm. other than hearing loss. Okay. <clears throat> oh, isolated meaning, okay. So, all right. And uh, they identified three factors in their regression model uh petechiae at birth okay uh paraventricle cysts that they found on mri and uh seroconversion in the first trimester which yeah Jenna, so maybe you these can factors are tell us more about. you know petechiae are um those um spots on the skin that look like yeah yep rashes um, kind of almost like bruising yeah. i mean they look like um, it like capillary bursts in the skin um, yeah. periventricular cysts on mri and this seroconversion is really looking at uh whether or not the blood is responding to an infection okay. so has there been some changes in whether this is ig positive or ig negative um that's uh, converted. In other words, the the blood is showing evidence of fighting a com- uh, an infection in the first trimester. 
So I did find it interesting. They found that overall, the babies with uh, normal hearing had a lower viral load than those that had congenital hearing loss. So that's suggesting at least, and I'm sure they would say it just suggests, they're not out, they weren't out to prove this, but, but uh, suggests that there is a direct relationship between your risk of congenital hearing loss and how severe, basically, yeah. of an infection you I have. I agree. Yeah. That seems to corroborate that, that hypothesis. I mean, sure. is this the time where we shout out Minnesota for, <laughs> John, <laughs> for our um, forward-thinkingness and making it universally mandated in Minnesota to screen hearing for all babies that are... Um, uh, it's all babies for CCMV. Well, Minnesota's been very assertive in, first of all, screening for CCMV. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that was the first, that, that's what was codified yeah, into so, law the other year. Exactly. So that is now included in the lab tests that are done. Before it was, we yeah. would mm-hmm. uh, require it if they failed a newborn hearing screening. And now it's just one of the things on the blood spot card. So it goes out automatically. Right. Yep. One of the, I don't even know what it is. I probably should since six, a certain I mean, person I married geez, to. ask your wife. <laughs> works in that. But it's, oh, I, I think I was going to say it's like a dozen or something things that they, that they test for. But... Um, Probably somewhere between those numbers. Uh, but yes, so that, so they do. And we're not the only state. Uh, who, was it Rhode Island that, that passed a, a, a law also last year? I think we were the uh, first year? state. We were the first state. Somebody did. Yes. <laughs> we're the first, first so we're not looking yeah. past <laughs> that. We don't care who else did. I we were first, so everybody else can right, suck it. But I honestly didn't realize that there was anybody else <laughs> that has, so... I thought we were pretty much pioneering this effort and you know we've no somebody did yeah we had something called the vivian act uh named after um vivian hendrickson who was identified with congenital cmv uh shortly after birth uh and her mom uh and and their congress person uh, i'm sorry wrong term their legislator because it's state level um pushed this through and and really advocated for this and got it done. So it was known as the Vivian Act. But um, no, Minnesota is not the only state anymore. And there are probably a couple people screaming mm. at their phone right now. Probably. Going, uh, I know it, was, it, was, uh, it was, it was, it was, ABC. That's all I'm going to sit there. I see something in Pennsylvania law for 2022, but I think it's just a consent law. I, I I'm sticking to Minnesota. It was at least um, the first, if not the only at this point. That has it mandated yeah. universal. Oh, Connecticut. That was that was actually my second choice after Rhode Island. Connecticut, I think I found it. They here. have universal mandated uh, no, I'm sorry, just, screening. Just no, I, I'm looking at it now, and I believed um, the, the the headline looked like it, but I do believe it's just a um, mandated test for failing. I'm sorry, never used that word. Referring right, exactly. from a hearing screening. So. But I know I read that somebody did. I'm but anyway, that's anyway. You're uh, wrong. Uh, let's not get caught up Minnesota on that. Minnesota all the way. We are leading the charge on this, and I'm a little bit, just a tiny bit proud. But I mean, let's hope everybody gets on board, because there's such a high load of um, kiddos that aren't symptomatic that have CCMB, um, and when they say they're not symptomatic, they don't have any other health issues but hearing loss. 
um, and vestibular balance disorders. And so I think Minnesota is leading the charge on figuring out how do we, not only do we screen all these at birth, but how do we follow these kiddos? Because this hearing loss can and balance disorders can present themselves up to age 11. So um, we've mm-hmm. come up with, as a state, we've come up with a, a screening protocol that spans that length of time um, that's pretty robust, I think. So it's interesting. We're just in the implementation stages right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that, what challenges we face and whether that, um, you know, really results in the end goal, which is identifying and taking care of these kids. Would you say that program is in its infancy? <laughs> oh, you're so punny tonight, John. Yeah. <laughs> As a friend of mine used to say, you're a car and you need to be dealt with. Yeah. So this is exciting. And at the very least, we're going to have a lot of data to be able to make informed decisions. And then other states will be able to make informed decisions using our data. So um, I think you're... Well, and certainly as audiologists, we're happy that kids who are at risk of hearing right. loss are going to be followed closely. intimately involved in all of this. So perhaps we should have her as a, uh, a guest one of these days. Well, yeah, she never really wants to come to on. I don't think she has oh, enough respect well, for us. Oh, I thought you were going to say me. <laughs> and maybe that's true. We'll see. She's like, I get enough of you at home. I don't want to go talk with you somewhere else. Let me else. talk to her. Woman to woman. Anyway. Uh, so moving on to a different state of Vermont. Uh, the Vermont Attorney General, who uh, for whom we have newfound respect and admiration, uh, all of us, uh, the new, the Vermont Attorney General's office has filed a lawsuit against I Nano. Know what's nano. And we, all, you don't know what Nano <laughs> I'm is? Just setting you up here. Nano is basically an online hearing aid. Yep, aggressively marketed okay. on TV and every other avenue. Absolutely, and the Attorney General Suzanne Young, um, one of my new favorite people has uh, uh, sued Nano saying that they engaged in multiple layers of deception by making misleading statements on its website and advertisements, implying its products are FDA approved, where we've seen that before, and falsely representing its products as American-made. Where are they mm-hmm. made? China. Oh. Why yeah. would they not America. say their stuff's made in America if it's not? That's stupid why did walmart say that why did walmart That's say bad. that for years until they got caught <laughs> God. come on people yeah all right sorry to interrupt carry on well I'm, well I'm glad they're well we can't we can't throw a lot of stones in this profession given how we were smacked down about 25 years ago for what people in this industry were saying what that starkey was made in america oh no the the fda sent a very terse letter to manufacturers in the mid-90s telling them that they needed to stop making some of the claims they were making or they were going to be found in violation of federal truth and advertising or something consumer advertising laws or something i don't know yep well i'm glad vermont did that let's hope a couple more states hop on it too and i know they probably built the 
the fine structure into their business model and everything, but, you know, if you get hit with enough of that stuff, it'll finally put a stop to it. But they must have done something because yeah. I've seen it. So you know what's funny? On, I on social media. There's there's more to it than just saying your stuff's made where it wasn't. Oh no! There's they yeah. said there are multiple layers yeah. of deceptive marketing practices. So what I find is really funny though is I I typed in Nano uh, to get to their website. I just typed it in. Let Google do the rest. And the first thing that comes up. Uh, for me, was a, a digital payment system. <laughs> I thought Robin Williams would pop up. Aww. Nano, nano. Nano, nano. Oh, <laughs> nano, nano. That's for our old folks. That's Nano. <laughs> Come on. That's Nano. Oh, Call yourself a Morgan Mindy fan. Nano is the male connotation. Nano is the female connotation. <laughs> of that You're such a nerd. <laughs> I love the Orkin the language. Yeah, the Orkin language is intricate in its, uh, <laughs> male fe- in its gender um, assignment. I really, you have achieved new levels of nerddom in my mind. I had no you idea go. you were yeah. that deep Just into in case it. you needed to know. I didn't know if you were interested, but <laughs> yeah. What's kind of funny is as I'm scrolling through, the only things that come up for nano hearing aids are yeah. paid advertisements. Yeah. Like, like nano itself, you type in the word nano, their actual website does not come up yeah. with Google search. It's all paid yep. stuff that comes up. That. They're, They're all, all ads. Way going. I'm I'm way down the I list now. I think what disturbs still me is them. that they talk about a free audiologist consultation when audiologists aren't involved at all. Um, to me, that's that's a breach. I mean that that's where I start to get my collar well turned up. That's the fundamental misrepresentation. Yeah, kind of hits us all in the in the crotch. It's like hearing and aid promoting dispensers their products scrubs. for children. Mm, come on. Yeah, it's like hearing aid dispensers wearing scrubs so they can appear as if they're, you know, medical oriented. Or hanging a stethoscope around their neck. Yep. <laughs> while they're doing right. it. They can. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's a bit of that's really disturbing. Yeah. Are you guys using any o- OTCs yet in your practice? Or are you recommending no. patients? No, but I don't, I don't even use that many hearing <laughs> okay. aids in my yeah, practice. Yeah, you know, so. we we investigated it, and the OTC hasn't really, uh, it's starting to emerge a little bit with us. We're kind of fighting against some of the um, OTC products coming out of the Walmarts right now, the Lexi mm. stuff. But other than that, not really. I mean, I think it's something that's going to be a non-factor for my practice, I hope. Yeah, so is it a big, as big of a deal as it was kind of made out to be in terms of how it would affect us in your well, mind? Well, it isn't, but I can tell you, it isn't, but I could tell you this. My hearing aid dispensing decreased by 30% last year. So it took a bite, for sure. Took a big bite. Well, but in our conversation with David Akbari, he... He kind of told us that most of the products aren't even going to be yeah. out for a well, long the ones time. Yet. That are, well, the ones that are out are making a difference right now. Are they? And yeah, I think so. And I think it's a combination. That's a combination of the online prescription hearing aids, the the lively model. Yeah. Those are taking a bite. Yeah. Okay. So I think I kind of lump them all together: the online and the OTC, oh, sure. whatever's available outside yeah. of the clinic. Yeah. So Nano has something on their website here. I've been browsing their website the whole time. Designed by audiologists. Is that true? 
All of our devices were designed by the best audiologists and sound engineers. Nano hearing aids work for over 95.47% of customers. I love that. They totally made that number up. They pulled that out of their ass, but they gave it uh, an extra two digits after the decimal point. They went to the hundredths of a percent to make it look like it's a real scientific number. That cracks me up. And then they got a picture of somebody and a little signature here that you cannot read her signature, although it kind of looks like Roberts. Um, But AUD is very clear. Yep. Yep. Anyway, let's not linger on this. They're just bad people. They're just... I thought that was funny. Oh, I, I just wanted to find out what they were saying. Yeah, I was curious. Well, and also it's pertinent because and it is what it is, and we're you know I am telling patients with mild to moderate hearing losses. You know, I would love you to come and see me, and this is what I can do for you. But you know, they are available over the counter. But you know, it would be nice to be able to say steer clear of this brand. Maybe look at that brand. You know. Yeah. Well, and let's just look real quick uh, before we we drop the the topic. Uh, there is a list here of what the Vermont Attorney General is saying that they're that they're doing, and we hit a lot of them. Uh, res- misrepresenting the character of their hearing products, which I guess like a audiologist design hearing aid, maybe I don't know. Offering a uh, in quotes hearing test. On its website, which is misleadingly described as an, again, quotes, accurate hearing test in less than 10 minutes, that, uh, again, quotes, works as free audiologist yeah. consultation. So they have that. Implying that professional audiologists review each consumer's hearing test, in quotes, results. Directing sales staff to identify themselves to consumers as hearing specialists despite having no related specialized medical training or advanced degrees. Directing sales staff to persuade dissatisfied customers into keeping their devices past the point of no of, of when returns are possible under Nano's 45-day money-back guarantee. Gosh, we've never heard of that happening before. Perpetually listing their products as being on sale, <laughs> which is what every retailer does, right? It's... Amazon does it all the time. This is 45% off right now. Uh, Let's see what else. Claiming products are designed in the U.S. when they're designed in China. You hit that one. Unlawfully promoting its products for children. Uh, Yes, that is a big uh, deal. And implying its products are approved by the FDA when they are not. mm -hmm. So there you go. That's, That's what they're going after. Ouch. So now you know... The rest of the story. That's not good. Name that line. Okay. So we'll move on though. So that's that's what's going on with Nano in Vermont right now. It'd be great if every attorney general decided to sue him for that stuff. Yeah. Amen. Uh, so this is interesting. Now this is up Jenna's alley here, but uh, I found this interesting. Uh, there was an article published in uh, in the open access portion of Scientific Reports. And this is coming out of, where are these folks? Uh, Saudi Arabia uh, is at least the lead author. Alhamdulillah. And the next one. Alhamdulillah. And the next one. And the next one. But anyway, they claim to have come up with a mathematical equation to estimate the length of the cochlear duct using cochlear parameters such as the diameter of the basal turn and width of the basal turn, 
Uh, let's see. Da, 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 what else? Um, anyway, there's a whole calculation here. And, and so they're saying that they can basically predict the length of the basal turn um, no yeah in, in malformed inner ears based on this mathematical formula which of course has the biggest application to yeah, cochlear and picking yeah. which cochlear, yes, cochlear implants the length of right. your cochlear implant um, I will say this has I don't know this particular formula but this has been around for a while um using an x-ray to calculate the the um length of the cochlea the basal turn um i don't know if medel was kind of pioneering that in my mind out of the cochlear implant companies medel's really um put a lot of research and time into um these abnormal anatomy like you could send an x-ray to Medel and of uh, Mondini's dysplasia and say I need an implant for this patient and they will design it based on their judgment of um, the wow. turns and cool. where you know the anatomy of the that particular right. X-ray. So, right. um, but yeah, to me it's fascinating because there are different lengths. There, companies have different lengths of their internal arrays and also different uh, beliefs. If you will, uh, as to whether beliefs different beliefs beliefs what as to like whether oh beliefs you know oh. because there are some that feel that you can just concentrate on the basal turn and get all you need, um, and others are talking about um, going farther is better. So I don't know, um, but the more formulas and the more methodology that's out there, the the better I think. So. I'm yeah. glad people are still looking at this. So for what it's worth, uh, that can be found online at nature.com in their scientific reports section. Kind of interesting, I thought. Absolutely. That they're trying to apply a mathematical formula yeah. mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe they're thinking that will offer some greater insight or maybe put more tools in the hands of the surgeons rather than like doing a scan and sending it to med and letting their people decide, you know, kind of a thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, but, so yeah, kind of cool. Uh, we're going to end with a couple different tinnitus things that came out. So the first one is just kind of an FYI. Uh, ben Thompson, who I just did a presentation with uh, at ADA, uh, this last year, uh, where basically I would get way in the weeds about research and tinnitus, and he would pull me back to the rather uh, overview presentation that it was supposed to be. But um, he just came out with uh, his version on behalf of Trouble Health, which I think is his company, of a tinnitus guide. And this thing is, um, I don't know, 17, 18 pages long. So it's got a little bit of stuff in there. Can I just say it's travel Obviously. health, not trouble, right? <laughs> what? It trouble. It sounded like you said trouble. Trouble health? Yes, trouble. that's what he named his yeah. company. Trouble health. Cool. <laughs> and it kind of sounds like something he plans on updating every now and then, but he's got 
you know, it's a little section in there, first couple pages on getting proper medical evaluation. It's got something on the tinnitus recovery timeline, uh, tinnitus management toolkit. It's got a section on, or a page at least, on COVID-19 and tinnitus. And then it's got a whole thing on treatment options for tinnitus. Uh, I have not had a chance to read this over yeah. in great depth, but it is out there in case you want well, to just look also, at it. He has a section. See if there's anything from there you want to. He'll, he'll uh, sell a package of tinnitus maskers and and sleep headphones and things too. The yeah. trouble masker bundle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there are some good like management uh, pages here that is nice for patients to see. Yeah. Um. I can see where this would be. This would come in hand. And is it just me, or does the Trouble Masker bundle look a lot like a yeah, pair of phone acrylics? I mean, they are phone acrylics, yeah. right? I wonder if, but, if um, on the top of the box when it comes, I wonder if it says "Here comes trouble." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it would be nice, like uh, as a uh, clinician, I'm always looking for stuff that I can. Yep. I mean, he goes over holistic stuff like meditation, tai chi, uh, walking, all kinds of things. Yeah, I would say for an audiologist, his descriptions are pretty cursory. I do not think this is really no, it's more targeted patient, toward audiologists. Education. But, yeah. Um, but if you go to TroubleHealth.com, you can get these patient handouts, which I think is nice. Well, and he talks about the autonomy drug. Didn't we just have a an yep, update on that one? Yep, and went down in flames, I, right? I was going to say it wasn't positive. No. Yeah. He, may, yeah. he may need to uh, do a little bit of adjusting to his website. Yeah. So, all righty. Uh, so that's out there. And then something I think is kind of cool. So, um, Dean, you missed that conference, but Jenna and I had uh, one of my favorite recent uh, guest conversations in the last few years with Jennifer Gans. When we were in some place, Nashville I do not remember. Either. Maybe. I do not yeah. remember. It might have been um, Columbus. Yeah, probably Columbus. Actually. Might have been Columbus. Right. Might have been Columbus. Yeah. I can picture that convention yeah. center, and it kind of seems like it might have been there. But um, she had told us then, at that time, that she was uh, kind of launching this online mindfulness-based um, tinnitus stress reduction course. And she has since done that, and she has been gathering data based on that. She emailed me um, last week or week before and said, hey, we just published this article. It's in the American Journal of Audiology, which is uh, ASHA's audiology journal, and published the data from that study, uh, which is exciting. It's really exciting. And that's, that's cool that's out there. And I think one thing we can all recognize is there just are not enough specialty providers in this profession right and so she, offering these services she's a psychologist so. married to an audiologist with a special interest in this area um for those who don't know jennifer gans um and if you email her or go on her website and contact her she will send you brochures about mindfulness um tinnitus stress reduction and I give this to a lot of my patients because even if we had a course available in in our own state, uh, people don't just, I think ever since COVID, people just want to do stuff online. It's They realize how convenient it is. Um, and so for our clinic, this yeah. has been a really, really great resource 
for people who are Agreed. catastrophically or maybe not catastrophically but significantly affected by their tinnitus perception um it's been a great resource good so definitely recommend going on to her website yeah it really has and she is she is a wonderful person and absolutely no surprise that she you know helped develop a really top-notch program um i i think of her as if you were going to see a psychologist she is a psychologist you would want to see she just has that temperament yeah she definitely does and i love that about psychologist her psychologist or kindergarten um, teacher kind of thing yeah <laughs> which probably is why i really like her yeah so because <laughs> that's the mentality I have. That's, that's my functioning level. But nonetheless, um, yeah, so they had, uh, was it 30, oh, where'd that number go? 43 participants uh, in this particular published study. And they they did a TFI, Tinnitus Functional Index, and a perceived stress scale. So it looked Because that's the focus of her program, measured at uh, pretreatment, mid-treatment three weeks, uh, immediately after treatment stopped, and then they did a six-month follow-up. And so those 43 participants had a mean um, pre-intervention severity of 59.96. That's pretty severe on the TFI. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty high number for the TFI. That's, that's a significant score. And they found that the Mean TFI scores dropped to 44.6. That's a, uh, let's see if I can remember on the TFI is 12 points a change in category. It sounds right to me. If I remember right. Uh, and this dropped from 59 to 44, so uh, more than 15 points. And mid-treatment went down to 34.23. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's at uh, post-treatment. Post-treatment. 44.16 was mid-treatment. And so... Uh, they, and then they, uh, she, she or they found that the uh, um, improvements were stable. Mm. And so um, they, they found that there were still significant decreases in the TFI scores at the six-month follow-up. I don't see a number right in front of me for that. But, but they did show improvement and lasting improvement. So that's, that's really that's good to wonderful. see. I mean, what else can you ask for since there's not a magic pill? We gotta have something. Yeah, there yeah. still is no magic pill, but there are there are a, a growing number of really good programs and options out there mm -hmm. for people. Hmm. That's really encouraging. Yeah. So, and I believe I'm, I'm double checking it here. I believe if you want to find out more, get to her program. MindfulTinnitusRelief.com. Uh, Mind. Yep, and, and if that's you exactly. Register for it, yes. the program, it's two hundred and twenty-five dollars. It's an eight-week course, which is pretty darn good compared to a lot of the equipment-based options that have been put out there and found to be completely ineffective. Or I should say, no better than placebo because they are effective well, for yeah, some people. It, it's another one of those things you can put in your arsenal to no more than talking to them. them. So yeah, I mean that's a that's a bargain compared to what a lot of yeah, people are paying for, sure. for to try to get rid of their tinnitus or try to uh, be able to deal with their tinnitus. So, yeah, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. So, and you can uh, find that find that journal. It looks like it is also publicly, yeah, it's open access. There it says. It's got a little unlocked lock um, and on uh, uh, the American Journal of Audiology. So that's available to you if you want to go read that. And I would encourage you to do so. 
because as I said once to somebody at an ABA roundtable who came to the tinnitus table that I was moderating and said, I just wanted to hear what you guys are saying. I don't do tinnitus. <laughs> and looked at her and said, well, you see patients that have tinnitus, right? Because we all do. There's, you can't see patients with hearing loss and not see patients with tinnitus. She said, yeah, then you do tinnitus. Exactly. You do. Can't avoid it. So, uh, so it is good to have some things like this in your yeah. in your back pocket. All right. So that's what we have this week. Any closing thoughts? No. I'm going to go out and build a cheap hearing aid <laughs> and market it badly. There you go. It's going to be my resolution for 2023. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm John Coverstone over here, Jenna Tanell, Dean Flieger, and we are very happy to have you with us for this episode of Audiology Talk. We'll be back uh, once I've gained a tan and uh, bring more audiology talk to you on some other exciting topic in a couple weeks or so. Bye. See you later. Bye.